Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, National Public Radio allegedly censors a sponsorship spot for a pro-life documentary, a labor union-backed campaign recently rocked by its own officials' misconduct, protests the misconduct policies of others, and a big money-backed pro-abortion campaign makes an embarrassing mistake. Our first item comes from Matt Lewis of The Daily Beast, uh, who published reporting on emails between National Public Radio and the makers of Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer, a documentary film about the trial of Philadelphia abortionist Kermit Gosnell, who was convicted on three counts of murder for killing infants delivered alive, among other offenses. The emails showed NPR advertising staff refused to allow the producers to run an ad one of the, uh, in, an, in an NPR block. You know, there's the ad that says, you, you know, programming brought to you by the Templeton Foundation or by some advocacy group or by some, corpora- some corporation or corporate philanthropy. They wanted, the producers wanted to run an ad in this block. And the, uh, what they wanted to do was to refer to Gosnell either as an abortionist or an abortion doctor, which he was before he was convicted of murder. Um, And the NPR's advertising staff denied them the ability to do that. Um, Even though NPR's own reporting on Gosnell's sentencing after he was convicted uh, referred to him as convicted Philadelphia abortion doctor. Uh, This is only the latest example of the left-of-center bias of NPR uh, National Public Radio is a corporation, and it may be one of the one of the more substantial ones. And obviously, among the in addition to the federal government through the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, this quasi-autonomous non-governmental organization uh, created by congressional charter, its directors are appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. You know, through that, other than the funding that the government, the federal government runs through uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting, NPR gets a lot of money from foundations, including a lot of the big liberal ones. And, and that's what funds the, the operations of the, of the public broadcaster. Our second item uh, comes from Labor World. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, union-backed demonstrations went after a number of McDonald's restaurants, uh, ostensibly challenging the company's handling of sexual harassment complaints. Now, you know, that this is all, you have to understand that this is all part of a national campaign for more than just McDonald's changing its employee handbook. The Service Employees International Union, the one of the largest labor unions in the United States, certainly probably the most uh, politically involved uh, labor union in the United States, have been pushing this f- so-called Fight for 15 campaign, 15 referring to the targeted federal minimum wage of $15 an hour, which is more than double the present level. And the the other end of the campaign has been to unionize the fast food industry. Uh, and because McDonald's is the largest of the traditional fast food restaurants by employment and by sales, uh, they have targeted McDonald's. This campaign has been stage managed from the very beginning by SEIU and by its political consultants, uh, Berlin Rosen, which is a, a political consultancy tied very closely to the the, the left wing in New York City. Uh, Mayor de Blasio, former uh, former attorney general before he was he had to resign amid allegations of domestic violence, uh, Eric Schneiderman, and and other key figures in New York City's left, who we discussed in an earlier podcast on de Blasio's New York. As a result, these strikes, the actual work stoppages have been negligible. It's a PR campaign, not a, 
not an old-fashioned, you know, stop the, stop the means of production labor campaign. Uh, and the end goal, the ultimate goal, is to bring McDonald's employees, who usually work for a franchise small business, not McDonald's Corporation in Oak Brook, Illinois, into the Service Employees International Union, ideally from the union's perspective, without the employees even having to vote on it. What the unions want, because it's easier for the unions either by leveraging intimidation, by presenting only one side of the story, union campaign promises are just as valuable, just as meaningful as campaign promises by politicians. They aren't meaningful at all. You know, so with, you know, whether it's false promises, whether it's intimidation, whether it's coercion, they want a public signature of a public signing of cards, of, of union authorization cards, to be determinative as to whether the the union is going to organize the going to organize the employees. And in order to get McDonald's to go along with it, McDonald's or any other company to go along with it, the SEIU runs what's called a corporate campaign, which is where the SEIU, its PR consultants, the many, many, you know, nonprofit community organizing groups that are aligned with the SEIU just inflict brand damage. And the goal is to inflict brand damage until McDonald's waves the white flag says, fine, you can unionize using this card method by the card check method and just get out of our hair. There's an irony in Fight for 15 using uh, McDonald's employee handbook sexual harassment policies as the key for this week's demonstrations. And that's that a number of senior officials in Fight for 15 were recently replaced for sexual misconduct. Uh, Scott Courtney, the campaign's former chief strategist uh, and executive vice president of the Service Employees International Union, uh, had to resign because he was allegedly promoting uh, women in the union based on whether they would sleep with him. Kendall Fells and Mark Raleigh, two city coordinators and spokespeople for the campaign, uh, also had to leave, uh, had to resign, or uh, in Raleigh's case, he was fired for what were described as, quote, serious problems related to abusive behavior towards staff predominantly female staff. And in this week's third item, we have a pretty embarrassing screw-up by a major liberal foundation. National Review reports that the, quote, shout your abortion, yeah, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's supposed to be women who have had abortions saying that it's a normal thing and that they feel great and that everyone should do it, had to, so this campaign had to, they published a post, allegedly, supposedly written by a 23-year-old woman shouting that she had had three abortions. Uh, and it was accompanied by a photograph of a young woman doing yoga. Uh, that picture was not of the woman whom the campaign purported that it was. It was, in fact, a picture taken without permission off the Instagram or dating profile of a woman who not only has never had an abortion, but in fact is pro-life. It's a classic case of in an ideologically motivated public relations effort, story, there's a story that gels with its message so much that it's too good to be true for them. And you end up accidentally, you end up spreading what has come to be known as fake news. What this campaign is, this Shout Your Abortion campaign is, actually is it's, it's, it's a lot bigger than, you know, people in their, you know, bloggers in their basement who might make mistakes like this. This is a big campaign that is fiscally sponsored by a very large, very important, and very little known 
uh, left-wing organization, no, uh, Neophilanthropy, which has a budget of roughly $40 million a year and is supported by all your major left-wing institutional funders, Ford Foundation, uh, the Open Society Foundations, fiscally sponsors this project to, quote-unquote, normalize uh, the practice of abortion. And how that works is that neophilanthropy essentially loans the people who run Shout Your Abortion the neophilanthropy's tax-exempt status. Uh, so that these institutional donors, that donors who want a tax write-off can give to NEO to run this project. And NEO is saying that this project is entirely in line with our values and it's something that we would do ourselves, which is why we're sponsoring it. Uh, NEO is a lot bigger than just this campaign. It has a number of left-wing issue areas and advocacy. Um, probably most notably, it convenes the Funders Committee on Civic Participation, which is a uh, convening of major institutional liberal organizations which conducts and coordinates what, uh, what they call nonpartisan voter outreach, nonpartisan civic participation. In practice, this is uh, uh, registration, voter registration and voter outreach to groups of people who are exceptionally likely to support the left. Uh, Neo-philanthropy also funds advocacy on behalf of illegal immigrants, uh, and it also funds campaigns for more lenient school discipline and juvenile justice policies. Well, that's our show for this week. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you have subscribed, thank you very much. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.